I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Welcome back to Saturday School. We're back. Today we're talking about the 1982 film Chan is Missing. Chan is Missing, directed by Wayne Wang, is the classic Asian American film. It's the one that, like, for all intents and purposes, quote unquote, started Asian American cinema in a big way. In at least the art house theaters, it was critically acclaimed. And it came out the same time, like, Spike Lee came out. So it was like, it promised a movement. But for the purposes of our podcast, it was fun just to remember that Chan is Missing is also funny. Like, it's, it's a comedy. Uh, it was a comedy and a lot of other things. But that I think part of the reason people remember it today and that it struck a chord was that it was actually funny. So I thought it would be a perfect fit for Saturday School. Here's a game I play. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. Hey, uh, what's a good place to eat in Chinatown? Under three seconds. That question comes up under three seconds, 90% of the time. I usually give them my routine on the differences between Mandarin and Cantonese food and get a good tip. Chan is Missing is one of those films that I always knew I should watch, but I never got around to it. <laughs> so I, I just watched it very recently. But when did you watch it for the first time? It was probably like a decade ago. But I think I mean, at that point, it was also one of those films I'd always heard of. It was like frequently revived at Asian American film festivals. As somebody who loves film history, a lot of the pieces fell into place when I saw that. It was like, ah, so that, that's, that's how a lot of this started. But I'm curious, like for you, I mean, you've seen a lot of Asian American cinema. What was it like to watch this now? Yeah, it was really cool because one, what struck me was the banter that they were having. Um, and the fact that it was 1982, right? So we were both born in 1982. So I was watching it thinking, these actors are probably our parents' age, right? Yes. Yeah. If not older. I mean, the younger nephew guy. Oh, you're right. And, and there's something really cool about like thinking about the stuff that m was in the air when our parents were kind of around our age. Because we tend to think about like the past and about Asian American history as a stodgy thing. That's, that's very historical, very political, very much about demographic changes. And here's when to think about how people had fun and how people dressed and how people spoke at each other. And that, that was what we were born into. Yeah, because my parents weren't in San Francisco, but they were in the Bay Area. But they were probably they were the Taiwanese immigrants that were coming in that they were kind of making fun of, <laughs> right? Yeah, so the film is about... It's funny because my old colleague, Leanne Kim, used to laugh that Chen is missing, should be called Plot is Missing. But, <laughs> because, I mean, it's like, it's these two guys, one older, who's a cab driver, and a younger guy. And they're going around looking for this guy named Chen Hong, who's disappeared. And it takes them all around the city, and they meet a bunch of people. And they're like looking for clues. And in some ways, it's a riff off of Charlie Chan, but like a fun, hip, Chinese-American way of, of thinking about what a detective is and what a detective is looking for in Chinatown. They talk about political things that are happening in San Francisco, as well as this murder that happened related to a flag-waving incident where the PRC backers versus the Taiwan backers in San Francisco came to a head. But really, it's just about watching two guys wander the city, not really messing around, but like just being totally natural. It's filmed in a specific way. Black and white, shaky camera. It seems very documentary, like people are talking over each other or the music in the background is really loud. But it feels so alive. <laughs> yeah, it kind of struck me. Even growing up, my parents, when they were talking not in their native language, there's sort of a difference between how they talk to your friends who aren't Chinese or Taiwanese. <laughs> it's kind of like how you talk to your tribe, like insiders versus versus how you talk to outsiders. And I think that's where stereotypes come in, because, you know, if there's sort of that stereotype that immigrants are, like, quieter. But 
you know, at home with their friends or with family members. The banter of Chen is missing is what I associate with the actual way they talk. What are you doing here? I thought you said you weren't going to come. Hey, who invited you? I didn't invite me. I didn't invite you. Uh, I invited you and you took a bat. Hey, how about, how about, like how about, that. How about a bit? Like yelling at each other, talking over each other. I don't know. Maybe it's because I kind of associated it with my parents a little bit because it was that generation. I, I definitely relate to that. And it's interesting how you bring it up with relation to the movie because I think so much of the movie is about like in, in private spaces, how do Chinese Americans talk to each other and all these in-jokes they have about oh, the PRC versus the Taiwanese people. Like they might not have those conversations to others. Yeah, and when yeah. they have those conversations with others, it, it might feel a lot more filtered or, or like they're like not trying to reveal any dirty laundry. Whereas amongst other Chinese Americans, there's like, oh yeah, those damn PRC or, or those damn Taiwanese people. And it's unfiltered and it's, like, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I saw like, I love the way some characters are really good at code switching. Like they'll switch from English to Mandarin. And there's a sense that like people kind of understand each other and you never know like when they're going to switch back and forth. Yeah, like the chef. The chef is such a fun character. He's talking about like the food he has to make and why, you know, have to make this sweet and sour pork again. Like everybody comes in and order the same thing again. <laughs> and then there was that line with, it was like, uh, next time they order a wonton soup, tell them no, but there's wonton backwards, which is not now. We don't have wonton soup. We have wonton spelled backwards. Not now. <laughs> Come on. Like, that's a different kind of jokiness. That seems like a joke of our parents' generation. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's <laughs> It's not funny, but it's like there's a time and place for jokes like that. And, and when you hear it, you're like, like, I recognize this person. The other thing that I always loved about this movie is how it begins. So it, it begins with like a, like a very familiar American rock song. And then the, the lyrics are all in Cantonese. So it's, it's sung by Sam Hoi, who in the 1970s was a, one of the top pop stars in Hong Kong. But he was also known for trying to do songs in Cantonese that kind of fed into a Hong Kong consciousness. So I think the idea behind the song is like he's appropriating American rockability to, to talk about Hong Kong problems. It starts out, red beans, barbecue sauce, tea leaves, all the prices rise. Encumber the whole family, low salaries are just not enough. Till there's not one drop left in the soy sauce bottle. This price increase has to stop. But then when it gets re-imported back to the United States, that's it becomes funny all of a sudden. And immediately you know that like this is a movie that's out to not necessarily lampoon American culture and what, what Americans think about Chinese culture, but it's just like it's gonna have so much fun with it. We just wanna mash things up in a fun way. This morning when Steve and I were having breakfast at Chester's, a woman showed up looking for Chan Hong. You see, I'm doing a paper on the legal implications of cross-cultural misunderstanding. She's talking about how Chan was stopped by the cops, and that's kind of where they think everything yeah, went yeah. wrong. But she's really, really breaking it down. For instance, a policeman in, in an English-speaking mode asked a direct factual question. They're interested in facts, and that's all asked, did you stop at the stop sign? Expected a yes or no answer, simple yes or no answer. Mr. Chan, however, rather than giving him a yes or no answer, began to go into his past driving record, how good it was, the number of years he'd been in the States, all the people that he knew, trying to relate different events or objects or situations to what was happening then to the action at hand. Now, this is very typical, as I'm sure you know, of most Chinese speakers. There's moments like this where other people talk about, like, the differences between American identity and Chinese identity and kind of the difficulties of merging the two. And you can yeah, already yeah. see 
the nephew is so tired of this and there's a point in the film yeah, where yeah. he's like oh i'm just like so sick of all this identity talk it's so 10 years ago and i that <laughs> struck me as really funny we still talk about all this identity stuff whereas like somebody in the 80s already thought it was like so 10 years ago but it's funny like you're talking about how they kind of laugh at her or she, she's meant to be kind of a joke and we see her character pop up again in ping pong player that's what my whole dissertation is on the objectification and exoticizing of chinese women oh that's tight so you in college then? Grad school. Asian American studies. Cool. And I would think with China's Missing, it is the same. Like in 1982, they were probably these uh, people who had started taking certain kind of college classes that tuned them into how the man oppresses immigrants through language and, and really wants to show off what she's learned. It, the, whole, the movie is just kind of the string of, of random folks that they stumble upon. Each person they meet has a different impression of Chan. It's like these layers of Chan that I think is trying to represent the many layers of Asian America. But instead, like, this is where comedy comes in. What we discover is that all these diversions actually bring us so much joy if you just stopped and, like, talked to the people around you. I think it's really fun revisiting this film after the last two films because, you know, They Call Me Bruce was in the same year, 1982. And then Fruit Fly, even though it was decades later, it was also a film with a lot of in-jokes about San Francisco. And then he also directed something like Joy Luck Club. But it was interesting, like, people don't talk about Wayne Wang's films in between those two movies so much, like Eat a Bowl of Tea and, and other ones, which are actually, many of them are comedies, even as non-Asian American films like Made in Manhattan and my favorite Last Holiday, starring Queen Latifah, should really show like that Wayne Wang is a, is a really good comedy director. I have not seen Made in Manhattan, unfortunately, or Last Holiday, but <laughs> is there any through line between A Chan is Missing versus A Last Holiday versus A Made in Manhattan? Um, or is it just completely different? They're, they're completely different. I mean, like, what's so good about Chan is Missing is, is that banter and that's, that sense of like things are happening around me. Whereas Made in Manhattan and Last Holiday are like, there's certainly like, they're Hollywood films. And they're Polished set up that romantic way. comedies. Yeah. But if we're looking for through lines, it's that like Wayne Wang's comedy, it's grounded in reality. I mean, Made in Manhattan, for all of its fairy tale elements, a lot of it is about class. It touches upon race. And Last Holiday is, is a, I mean, it's a serious movie about a, a woman kind of thinking about her end. And they find comedy in that. Oh my gosh, that's why it's called Last it's, it's, it's Holiday. It's actually really touching. Wow. Yeah. And it's got LL Cool J in it. So. Wow. What else, what else needs to be said? <laughs> so I like the idea of like talking about Wayne Wing within the context of comedy and not just as this pioneer of Asian American cinema. So that's episode seven. I totally watched Last Holiday after we had this conversation. And it's pretty good. Queen Latifah and LL Cool J directed by Wayne Wing 10 years ago. You guys probably know that Brian is the artistic director of the San Diego Asian Film Festival, which is coming up. It takes place from November 3rd to 12th, and this year, Wayne Wang is receiving their Lifetime Achievement Award, so they'll be screening a special director's cut of his film, Eat a Bowl of Tea. For more information, go to their website at festival.sdaff.org. Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Talis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. We have a Tiny Letter newsletter that you can sign up for to get lecture notes. tinyletter.com slash Saturday School Podcast. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G, and Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. 
Next week, we're talking about a film called Catfish in Black Bean Sauce from 2000. So that's your assignment for the week. Class dismissed.